Hi, and welcome back to the WWFM podcast. I'm Andre, your host today, and with me, Kristen Emenecker, Chief Product and Strategy Officer at Playvox, over 15 years of experience, someone that knows quite well workforce management, but more importantly, someone with amazing advice for all of you out there. Stay tuned. The episode today is sponsored by Playvox, workforce management essentials for the modern contact center. But more on that later. Welcome everyone to another episode. Today it's a very special one. Lots of very interesting topics to share, especially in the times we live today. So just for you to stay tuned, we'll speak about recession and what are the positive impacts that WFM can have in a downturn. We'll talk about strategies to overcome, how to be prepared. And I think one that is super important is when we look at this predicament of how are we going to get stuck into taking the best from our teams, we'll speak about looking back of what happened in the beginning of the crisis with the pandemic to what can we do today and emphasize all the strategies and all the great tips that I think uh, our guest will share with you. So to our guest, Kirsten, thank you so much for, for the time uh, in joining our, our, our show. I think you have been in this space for, if, I'm, if my math is correct, a bit <laughs> over 15 years uh, in software <laughs> as a service, so very close to... A long time. And m and I started <laughs> very, very young. That's really what it was. <laughs> and I think very connected with WFM almost since the beginning, uh, even though I think you, you had some some other touches on customer experience that touch on other parts of the of the of the spectrum but i think in the end of the day very very connected so welcome uh, formally welcome to the show how are you doing thank you i'm doing well so excited to be here thank you for having me no it's 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 a pleasure so to start us off and i i have to say that i did some research on on you uh I, I got a quote that you said, uh, and I will not say the year to start. So let's see if our guests <laughs> spot the year uh, and start quoting. We are looking at AI automation and relationship between bot workers and human workers, but still the fundamentals uh, still continue to be the same. We want to improve experience to our customers and control our costs, be as cost efficient as possible. And funny enough, this is back in 2019. So feels yeah. like... You could have been said that yesterday <laughs> and was still valid. So yeah. I wanted to start us there. So how much is our industry changing? Like, I think we have been saying always back to the fundamentals, but how much is yeah. it changing and are we prepared for what's to, what's to come? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, right? Because having watched it for a long time, there are, the fundamentals are still the same, but I think honestly, since COVID, so even after that quote was initially made, right? I think in the last uh, few years, we just have seen a pace of accelerated change that has been unlike any that I have seen. And I actually started in contact center tech in, in the late 90s, right? So I mean, this is a long time period where a lot of technology has changed and yet um, the, the rapid pace, I think, um, is really different. I think that you know, all the fundamentals of that statement remain the same. We're, we're looking at AI, we're looking at automation, we're looking at that connection between sort of bots and humans. Um, I think if, 
COVID and the last couple of years have taught us anything, and if we've evolved at all from the where we were with that statement, I think it's that we, you know, not just customer experience and cost, but really um, a renewed focus on um, the human side of our employees, the the fact that that humanity needs to persist, right? It's not going to be just wiped away by bots. We have bots to do repetitive, you know, bot things and we, and that allows humans to be more human. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's been one of the lessons of COVID um, and the, the years that have come after, right? The, these past couple of years is just really understanding that our employee experience um, is every bit as important as those other two parts and how do we bring that all together in this world that's changing so rapidly with uh, with AI and with, with uh, you know, lots of, of global factors. I, I totally agree with you. And if I look back and I, I still recall conversations when the first bots were popping in and every, oh, mm -hmm. it's replacing. And again, right. it's replacing to a certain extent, but the fact that we are freeing up people to do, like you said, human things, like mm -hmm. be creative and try to get outside the box, do different types of jobs. And I think that's super interesting and, and presents a huge opportunity for what's to come. So I, I, I'm scared, but excited at the same time with, with the opportunities. And it's going to be up to us uh, to, to shape whatever it, uh, that could be in the future. And and I wanted to pick up on what you said. Um, so you mentioned COVID and, and, and I said in the beginning that we'll be speaking about uh, downturns and like recessions and all the impacts that that has. And I think that was probably the, the first test we had. I think over the last, if I think about the last six years, I think before COVID, everyone was focused on more or less the same things, like mm -hmm. ideas around hyper automation, like all the focus on the right things, the employee first and all the things like burnout, et cetera, et cetera, were, were starting to pop out. So there was already yep. an influx uh, in, in everyone's minds. But I think COVID was just the ignition that was needed to jumpstart into a different dimension, all of these topics. I wanted to have your thoughts on how the, this crisis helped test some of the things that today everyone speaks and everyone feels it's just a major thing to do, while before was just... If you look at ratings from all the senior leaders, there will be like a fraction, like five, ten percent. I would say, yes. oh, it's critical, and now, right. for sure, over seventy percent would say that it's critical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I think there were a couple of ways, right? I think that first of all, just as humans, for all of us who went through that experience, it was so surreal to go through COVID and and lockdowns, and I think it it helped all of us to. Um, understand what was important. And I think that when when you have something like that, that sort of the whole world is experiencing at the same time, uh, you know, we can't help but take that into our workplace again, right? Like, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it permeated everything about us. We really sort of had this moment as a, as a species, right, of, of what is important to us and what is not important. Um, and I think that it created a space for um, for greater empathy and for greater importance in sort of, you know, the, the human experience. Then, of course, we have the whole um, remote working and, and the challenges of struggling through that and, and understanding how it would work. And then 
the, you know, the flip side of that, which is, you know, do we go back to an office? What do we, you know, do we stay hybrid? All of that push and pull between um, workers and how they've gotten comfortable working and the companies. Um, and so I think that it taught us um, as workers, I'm putting on different hats, right? As mm -hmm. human beings, it taught us what was important. Um, and that came over into our workplace, um, that we wanted to be more empathetic. As workers, it taught us that we could have a different sort of work-life balance. And so we've seen in um, sort of workforces around the world, this renewed focus on not just work-life balance, but on th this increased expectation, actually, of um, of the relationship between an employer and an employee mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the empathy and the respect that needs to go in both directions. I think that has driven a lot of that, to your point, the CEOs now really paying attention um, yeah. to, you know, to what happened. It removed physical barriers, as we all know, to work. And so um, that created, you know, workers who might live in a fairly isolated area, but now who could get a job somewhere else. And mm -hmm. so it created this um, it changes the know. economy to a certain extent. You can That's just right. be increasing the economy of an area that before was just yes. isolated with no possibility to jump in on, 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 on what yeah. all technology is bringing in terms of the, the possibilities. Yeah, yeah. So it just it just created this world that was where all of these factors came together in a perfect way to increase the importance um, on employees within the workplace and on how we treat employees and on how we engage our employees. And um, and I think that continues, right? I think we're yeah. most companies are continuing to to struggle with that and to feel that out and figure it out. The truth is that probably the majority were not even remotely prepared. Yeah. Like they are still. I mean. You and I are very close to the SaaS model, to software as a service, but the truth yeah. is like, if you look back, I, I, I don't know if you, you know any statistics, but probably a big percentage of the companies are not even on the cloud. They still use very legacy yeah. systems that are scary just to think of. So definitely those challenges will remain. I wanted to pick up on something you said about remote work, and I'm quite sure you saw this. This is pretty much invading social media, which is pulls between remote work, back to the office, doing yes. X days, etc. I think this is just a, a, the number one. Every time I, I go on social media, there is yeah. always someone asking this this question, and I wanted to to get your thoughts on this, but I wanted to ask it from a different angle. So. You are very familiar with WFM. I think our audience is very focused on the core basics of, of planning, etc. Planning yeah. with this uncertainty, it's really hard. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts around, if you had to pick one, uh, and I don't want to put you on a stop, but like, what, what do you think is the perfect model? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, that's very, very difficult. I think that, um, I think that it depends on the company. I think that, um, you know, there's probably a perfect model for everybody, right? So the perfect model, I'll tell you what my perfect model would be. The perfect model in my mind is we have uh, the benefits of the flexibility and the, the access to workforce that remote work gives us. And yet we have the, uh, you know, ability to get together face-to-face -to -face 
um, mm -hmm. on a very regular basis. Um, and so you need to have some sort of either the travel budget or the geographic uh, you know, vicinity so that you could at least get pods or groups together, um, mm -hmm. maybe by country or region. But I think that FaceTime is very important to effective workplaces. And so, you know, I think that combination is, is yeah, sort it's, of- it's So you are a fan of a kind of a hybrid model that takes the best from the both sides, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, yeah. And again, I think it depends on the company and yeah. and uh, and having flexibility to meet, you know, different um, different employees' needs is important. There are lots of other considerations. There, right? <laughs> of of yeah. course, it, it's yeah. just I don't. But uh, like I said, it's the pool is everywhere, so everyone replies normally with smiles. So it's just yeah. a very short answer, just to get your thoughts here. Now, quick word to our sponsor, Playbox. How many times have you said? I wish I could ditch this spreadsheet. Well, now you can. With Playvox, cloud-native, easy-to-deploy workforce management solution, you can increase efficiency, reduce costs, while keeping an agile and happy workforce. Use Playvox to forecast, schedule, and manage your workforce in real time. Want to know more? Go to our sponsor page at pwfm.com or click the first link in the description. Now, back to the episode. So, we started saying that we wanted to speak about what's the real importance of workforce management yeah. in a downturn. Um, and I and I wanted to start with uh, some kind of like key, um, not to call it statements, but key bullet points that I have here that at least you, we, you already touched on them. And, and I think it's on everyone's mind, which is layoffs that happened yeah. and we don't know if they will continue to happen. I think it's all the threats in terms of hiring freezes, budget cuts, et cetera. Uh, and I think another one, which is very human, which is something you mentioned before, which is burnout, like everyone like turning yeah. over or just lack of engagement with, with, with the company. And I wanted to start this topic with your thoughts about what do you think that are the critical things to focus on um, to, to be prepared? as well as no one knows when, like we we were speaking before offline about the news from China in terms of all the economy and yeah. everything that's happening. Everywhere in the world, there are different news coming in and sometimes they are very polarized in terms of the signs that they tell everyone. And I wanted to get starting there to get your thoughts about what can we expect uh, when and, and what will be the role that WFM will have yeah. in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, to your point, we were talking offline, the, the signals are are so mixed, right? Even even to an hour ago, we talked about, you know, strong jobs performance in the US out of August, which seems so in contradiction to uh, other numbers. And I think we're seeing that around the world. Um, you know, you mentioned China, we're certainly seeing, you know, that the whole world is kind of watching closely um, what what happens? I I do think that it is safe to say that it, with all of these contradictory data points, we are seeing a tightening of the belts. To use sort of a, an American colloquialism, a a, um, a more conservative approach to budget management um, across the board. Uh, and so companies are bracing themselves for a potential downturn. Some of them are going as far as layoffs. Others are, to your point, you know, sort of freezing or, you know, hitting the brakes a little bit um, on spending just to make sure that, you know, they're prepared uh, if the if the economy really takes a, a, a downturn. I think that, you know, WFM workforce managers are the magicians 
in most of their companies who managed to make um, the, the wheels turn and to ensure that the work gets done by the right people at the right time in the right order, you know. Um, and so I think that that role, that process, that responsibility becomes always um, more challenging, but also more important when we are trying to do more with less, because uh, you really do need that magician, right? You need the ability to take the resources that you have uh, as lean as they may be and um, and meet all the different demands of your customers and ensure that you're able to um, you know, get the work done in a timely manner. I think that that is, that it's a challenging time for sure, because we, one of the things that, that COVID did was it changed all of the model and it changed the expectations that we have in terms of how companies manage employees and manage their schedules. So as an example, normally when you are spending less and you're getting more conservative, no one's leaving their jobs, right? Everybody, you know, if they still have a job and it hasn't, you know, it hasn't been eliminated, they're staying, companies are getting stingier normally with, um, you know, maybe some of the extras um, or some of the perks. We're seeing the opposite, right? We're seeing that the budgets are getting cut, but people are still leaving their jobs. Employees are still, to your point, you know, still on TikTok uh, complaining about, uh, you know, this policy or that policy or, or this, you know, how they, they're doing only the bare minimum because what their employer is expecting of them is ridiculous. And so companies are responding by trying to hold the employees that they have because it's more expensive normally to replace and train and bring someone in. And so in some cases, we're seeing they're adding perks like um, time off. They may be adding additional paid time off that normally doesn't happen at the same time as we're trying to spend less and so as a workforce manager as a workforce planner this is um, madness first of all and it's uh it's really really challenging to manage so i think it's critically important um the the responsibility and the um visibility of that role in the company is increasing but mm -hmm. i also think it's it's really challenging yeah, I, th I think if complementing what you said, I think something that is very common, uh, at least that's my experience, is we are seeing that everyone, even before when the budget constraints were not that big or the focus with doing more with less was not that present, mm -hmm. everyone was like, even if they were using amazing WFM teams, everyone was like, okay, we still have room for to doing that. Like the decisions were kind of overruled based on doing better and trying to do more. And I think now it's like, okay, help me figure out a plan that I can do less with more, but still have that time. So it's changing completely the narrative. And I yes. think that backs to the magicians. Uh, you, you said that, I think it's a very good analogy. It's like, how do we minimize and maximize the right things? And I think it's all about balance. And I think I don't know if you have the same feeling, but I, I think it's all about transparent prioritization and communication. Like everyone wants to make sure the priorities are the right ones, but communicate that transparently to avoid losing people. I think that's that's something that I start changing. Like everyone wants to get more transparent to keep that turnover because like you said, people still leave and no one is shrinking on probably perks. Like the companies still offer similar perks. Yes. Like uh, So the market is very alive to a certain extent. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it, it remains sort of, an, which is strange with layoffs, but it, to many, in many respects, it remains an employee market as opposed to an employer's market, right? The, 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 there's more choice for employees and that, um, yeah, it gets challenging. I think you're absolutely right about transparency and communication. I think the other, the other real key for me is um, data, right? We're, you know, workforce planning has always run off of data. We've always mm -hmm. been, you know, sort of the data-driven part of an organization. I think that the types of data that we need, um, I think there are some new data sources that we need to try to get into that process. Um, because of all of these conflicting trends. So things like average onboarding time, um, average hire time, understanding the capacity plan and how that compares to, you know, where we actually are, right? So, so if we assume that it takes us a month for a new hire and we were gonna hire, you know, five more in September, first of all, is that happening? <laughs> or has the budget been frozen? Second of all, if it is happening, are we finding that instead of, 30 days, it's taking 90 days, right? And so we maybe need to, as workforce planners, sometimes we're getting involved in conversations we didn't get involved in before um, because we need to help the rest of the organization, help us so that we can do the magic, right? And so there's a lot of um, looking at this data, understanding from HR, will there be changes in time off? What do we, you know, understanding the patterns of, employee work and call outs and um, just understanding if that's changing for your business. Um, are they are they going to require employees to go back to an office? Do we expect a certain percentage of turnover from that? I mean, these are the types of big picture conversations that are different mm -hmm. um, that we didn't used to have to deal with. But I think that for workforce planners, the more you can get in a seat at the table in those conversations, the more you can get um, access to that data, the better the magic is going to be that you can do because you're going to be able to have a really unique perspective on those conversations and be able to inform those other departments and uh, and and be you know create better sort of forecasts and plans mm -hmm. as a result of it. I, I was going to share an example um, that someone shared with me, very recent one uh, that completely touches what you said about having a seat on the table. So there was a company that wanted to increase the number of time off days to the employees to try to cope with all the burnouts, et cetera, et cetera. And I, something that I found really interesting is that the business case was not done on, okay, how much will it cost us? It was done on, okay, let's figure out a way to decrease contacts, try to figure out ways to remove things that are not relevant yep. and try to make that pay off. So the return investment was always making the employee happier uh, and try to work with all the other things to avoid touching on the on that human part. So, and I think that's super powerful because it changes, like you yeah. said, you said multiple times, it completely changes the landscape. So it's way more people focus, more human because we are trying to figure out, okay, how can I give you more and yes. try to get things away from you that either you don't like or are not helpful because old processes or the tools are not right, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to have your thoughts on this as well, because I, I'm probably, since you have a, a, a role that touches on strategy and product, I wanted to know, like, do you see more examples of this, of people trying to use different ways to measure return on investment that are not as traditional as it used to be? Yeah, I absolutely, I do. I mean, I think that um, I started out in the practice of WFM and quickly went into the technology side because 
of that principle even way back, right? Because I felt like if we could do some of the, the more challenging calculations, it would help the workforce planner to be able to um, get more done, right? And, and, and do it more effectively. And I think that we continue to see that today. We see it in workplaces, like I said, where we take sort of the repetitive tasks as much as possible. And whether it's, um, a, a, you know, if they're frontline, it might, maybe it's a chat bot that takes some of those repetitive, just what's my account balance, or I want to change my address, right? The easy things, give the more complex things to the human um, or the customers who are unhappy and need that human ability to connect and empathize. Um, if it's, you know, back office work, it could be, you know, some sort of robotic process or frontline back, back office. We see the same kind of uh, in the old school days, right? You know, copy this, paste it here, paste it here, put it in this system, put it in this system, right? I don't need to have my workers doing that. I can have uh, technology do that. Um, I can have technology predict what's going to happen. One of the um, sort of coolest projects that I've been involved in in the last year or two uh, is looking at arrival patterns of interactions in a customer support or contact center setting where we were looking at arrival patterns in real time, right? Um, and being able to use machine learning to predict before a human would be able to pick it up um, anomalies basically in the patterns that were expected and be able to match that to other known events so that it, the, the system could automatically surface um, this it, it, the volume looks like it's coming in higher. We expect you to need this many more people in the next three hours. And by the way, it looks like this event that happened two years ago. So, you know, pattern, right? Look at that yeah. pattern. So really interesting things that can be done that help us to have more insight, um, but still, you know, sort of engage the best of the skills of that human worker mm -hmm. that we need. And, and and that's putting the right tools, I think, especially on all yeah. the WFM uh, personnel, it's empowering them to, I think, I used to say a lot that alarmistic is not developed enough, but this is more than alarmistic. This is just giving a clear sense of like glimpse of, okay, this is the decision-making process that we need to go to. So it allows everyone to 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 act faster. And I wanted to touch on something you mentioned with, with, this, with this part, which is, it, I'm not sure if you agree, but what I noticed is that I think WFM personnel is getting, especially everyone that works on planning and, and, and strategic planning and building scenarios, yeah. I think we are getting to a point, and especially if, and I don't know if it's an if, I think it's more a when, whenever that downturn happens, I think the amount of scenarios we'll need to build up to revise goals, revise targets, revise capacities, yes. like what can we do? I think it's going to be insane. So Having those tools, I think it's super powerful, but I think having everyone prepared for that ability to create uh, strategic scenarios and, and being agile, it's, it's super important. So I wanted to know your thoughts on what will that role be for, for the for WFM? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it continues to get, uh, yeah, to get more and more complex to all of the, the points that you said. We're doing a lot more um, sort of, you know, what if planning many more scenarios and continuing to change those more frequently. So, um, so instead of sort of doing long-term strategic planning, 
what you know once a year um, or even once a quarter. There, there we're seeing this this change changing pattern and and the importance of having that connected to regular sort of you know scheduling right that that might be done on a on a biweekly or monthly basis. Um, yeah, it's 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 gotten very complicated. The other thing that's gotten complicated is the types of work and the mix of that work. So as we see um, companies go through digital transformation, one of the things again in customer service, customer support that we've seen is, you know, instead of, um, you know, the majority of interactions being done on a voice channel where there are cert sort of known there are known patterns, right? We know that it's it's all one and done. It's there's a conversation. It's sort of it begins at a time, it ends at a time, and that helps us from a work planning, right? Because we want to always know what's the handle time and how long does something take so that we can understand it. But when we start to add in digital communication channels into the mix, we see things like concurrency, right? Like a chat, an agent who's handling chats for support may be doing three at a time. That completely breaks all of the algorithms, all of the expectations that we had yeah. sort of in the former world. And so I think we've got complexity in terms of our, in terms of the scheduling side, right? And the planning, the longer term planning mm -hmm. side in terms of how many hours will someone work and how many will they be off and 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 how long will onboarding take and you know all of those things are changing and getting more complex and we're having to like you said do multiple versions of forecasts but then on the actual um you know sort of granular forecasting and how the work comes in and how the work fits together and how many pieces of that work can be done by a single person in a single day, that is getting more complex because a lot of times, again, it's not just, I went from voice to chat. It's I'm still doing some voice, plus yeah. I'm doing some chat, plus I'm doing some of this. And so, yeah, there, there's just complexity all over the place. And I think that um, this is really a time where you know, AI and machine learning are, are just essential. I mean, you can do it still with spreadsheets, yeah. but it's it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. yeah, and I think that conversational piece that you said that customers are no longer, the same customer can go across multiple channels and and he wants to either engage with the yeah. same person. So that continuity is, is for sure, yes. is for sure critical. I, I, I think it's super spot on. So we are getting way above the middle of this conversation, but I wanted to, close on strategies. Like I wanted to get your thoughts and pick your brain on what are the best strategies or like what things do you would recommend to get everyone that is listening, get their teams prepared for a downturn, like out what is the role that eventually WFM teams can have. But I think I, what, what can we do to, to overcome uh, and be prepared? And I wanted to start like asking like any, any strategies that you want to share or any advice you want to give on how to be prepared? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I sort of gave the the big one um, that I, I have uh, for workforce planners right now, which is think about the data that you didn't used to have to ask for. Try to get your hands on on that data and work to get a seat at the table. Help um, with, in terms of that transparency and communication, ha start having those conversations with your manager, with your peers um, in other departments so that they understand what you're seeing, what you bring to the table um, and what pieces of data that they may have would be really helpful for you. Um, I, I'm a big believer that capacity plans, strategic plans should be sort of 
operationalized nowadays because they're changing so much. Mm -hmm. And so even if finance controls the budget and you're not changing the budget, if you can be continuously doing short-term planning, but seeing that capacity plan and identifying changes in the assumptions that were made, um, it will help you get ahead mm -hmm. of that and, and understand even which scenarios um, to plan out and, and what potentially might happen. So I think that WFM is becoming more, um, it's becoming a role that has more cross-departmental communication that is more uh, you know, focused on on a on a broader array of areas because of these changes, um, because the changes are happening so quickly. Mm -hmm. I would say, um, you know, ask questions, understand what your colleagues are 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 doing, what their challenges are in other departments, and figure out how you can bring value to that. And when you bring value to those conversations then be sure to you know, be right there with your ask of what they can bring back mm -hmm. to you. Um, but the, the broader information is gonna be helpful in making more accurate predictions and, uh, and you know, make sure that um, you take time for yourself and you balance because it is a magician's job. And um, right now it is, I think, harder than ever. So you know, mm -hmm. take, take those breaks and take that time um, for yourself, just like you're planning for other people. Yeah, I, I would repackage the first thing you said on just to synthesize, because I think it's super spot on with what I actually wrote myself, which is you mentioned about this almost continuous, continuous budgeting. Like you have the budget, you cannot change it, but you are yeah. always assessing, trying to yes. figure out the gaps. And I think that's laying off a foundation that continues like driving agility. It's laying off a foundation to not only improve your cost efficient uh, and like how you are planning, but as well as opens the opportunity for things like we discussed, reduce contacts, improve here, here and there. And if you get that ongoing, it lays off a foundation that is super important for whatever pressure might come in the future. So I think I think that's that's super spot on. And I also wanted to to add uh, and know your thought. We spoke about this and I think solidifying the tax stack that is available to your employees, it's super important, especially now in yeah. this technology world, because it's easy to get stuck behind. And if you are not, if we are not laying off all of those foundations for our employees to be excelling and being freeing them up for the other things, uh, I think that's that's going to be for sure a big challenge. So personal recommendation, I think you you echo the same for yeah. anyone out there that is listening try to be prepared because if whenever this recession happens, it will it will hurt if you are not prepared. So uh, it, it's for sure a, a huge recommendation. Yeah, if you're not currently using a workforce management tool to help you, um, it is, um, and I, I honestly say this as a practitioner um, and not even with my vendor hat on because it, you know, it, it is one of the clearest ROI that any company can have. Um, so especially if you're going mm -hmm. into a period of time where you know you're going to have to do more with less um, and you're still using spreadsheets, it's critically important and it will it will change your world and it will change sort of what you're able to do and what you're able to see and what you're able to predict. So certainly start there if you're not already um, mm -hmm. using technology to help you with that, definitely um, yeah. try to get that in because that's going to be helpful as you ride through these waves. And, and, and I think it helps getting that close monitoring on decision making because yeah. if you have all the right tools then you are you are just building yourself the right skill set uh, technological skill set and the tech stack you need um yeah. so we are pretty much uh close to the end so Kristen, thank you so much for your availability today 
Uh, I wanted to leave uh, with some final words from you. So uh, anything you want to share with our audience, especially focus on uh, on the WFM professionals, any tips or advice for them? Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it. I think I would just, um, you know, kind of reiterate that last point I, I made, which was remember that what you do is of critical importance and um, it is valued and sometimes um, WFM can feel very like very isolated work and sometimes we like that right but but it's important to understand that what you are doing in many ways changes the daily life of the employees who um, you're scheduling it changes the experience of the customers who um, need to come to you for service and support and you need to feel really proud about what you're doing and think through how you can have a, a bigger voice in your company to help them to understand the importance and take time for yourself. That's an amazing advice. So Kirsten, thank you so much for the time uh, joining today. To our audience, thank you so much for staying uh, along. I think it was a super interesting conversation and stay tuned for, for more. And if you don't follow us yet on all the tools, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts, please do. Uh, it's the way to grow the community and uh, we hope that you enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much one more time. The episode today was sponsored by Playvox. Go to wfm.com, go to our sponsor page and get to know them better. Thank you for listening to WWFM. This podcast is made and produced by Andrea Leitão, Bilga Hentelun, Doug Carsten, Gonçalo Gomes and Kim Paz. If you like this show, don't forget to share it with your friends and colleagues. Visit our website, wwfm.com, to find more exclusive interviews and WFM content. See you next time. All rights reserved.